I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And we've got an episode that I'm really excited about this week. Me too. This is going to be fun. It's something that I think both of us have obsessed over at some point. Absolutely. Definitely have bonded over. I feel like if you are a millennial, you have most likely seen an episode of Friends or you are obsessed with it. I started watching Friends when I was, I would say, like 12 years old. And I was on a vacation, and a friend showed it to me, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And my mom bought me, like, the first season, like, best of the first season, so it was, like, ten episodes, and I watched it over and over and over and over again, and then I eventually had the entire DVD set, and I'd seen all the bloopers, I'd seen, like, I was, like, I watched it every day for probably, like, seven or eight years straight. the first season is not even the best one. No, but it's (laughs) all I had. It was, and that was, and those were the ones that I watched on my trip. So, but, like, in the morning getting ready for school, on in the background when I was doing homework and before I went to bed, it was literally on a constant loop at my house. I just always had it on in the background. So I've seen every episode so many times. So have I. So have I. I've definitely watched the entire series from start to finish. Um, I've lost count of how many times Uh, I've watched it from start to finish. My friend Josh and I would do, like, a competition as to who would mess up the line first. Like, (laughs) we would recite the episode along with the episode and then see who would mess up first. But that was just in my adult life because, actually, growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch Friends. Yeah, Yeah. I had a lot of friends that weren't allowed. And by the time I was 12, my mom was like, yeah, whatever. But I think that I was kind of shielded from it when I was younger a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had I had a TV in my bedroom, so when Friends reruns were on, I would, like, sneak watch a few of them, but I definitely yeah. wasn't into the series until I became an adult Yeah, and really started watching them. I remember I watched the finale. I think that was the first episode I ever watched, because I remember my mom had, like, a jewelry show where she was out or something, so she was like, watch it for me, because this is at a time we'd have to wait for it to be played again. Right. So I remember watching it and telling her about it. Yeah. But that I was mean, the only episode I'd ever seen was the very last one. It was a really, really big deal, too. Like, when Friends yeah. ended, it was a huge deal. It was huge. Yeah, it was the end of a phenomenon. Although I'm finding now that with a lot of millennials, um, it's kind of like a... I've heard on more than one occasion several millennials kind of brag about not liking Friends it's the or not watching thing. it. It's yeah. like It's like the, oh, I was too cool for that. Or just like, oh, I don't even think it's that funny, or it's not that revolutionary, well, or I don't I, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why it was as popular as it was. Okay. You know? That's your, that's your choice. Don't put other people down because of it. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting now because with Netflix, they have the entire catalog of all of the Friends episodes, and it's kind of been brought into Generation Z a little bit. And Generation Z is watching it, and they're saying, 
how the hell did this stuff make it onto well, the air? Yeah, it because there's a lot of problematic things. It is things. not aging well at all. No. Like, friend, and I love Friends. Sitcoms still, typically don't. I still watch Friends. Like, I watch Friends, like, every night almost still. Yeah. Like, I watch Friends and I watch Seinfeld all because the time. Because it's comforting. Yeah, it's comforting. It's yeah. easy. And both of those shows are incredibly problematic. Like, oh, yeah. They're... There's so much in there that you're just like, God, that would not fly now. Yeah, a lot of the sitcoms from, like, just going to name a few that I watch over and over again. Friends, Everybody Loves Raymond, How I Met Your Mother, um, Golden Girls. How I Met Your Mother's a bad one. That's really bad. Even even Golden Girls, as progressive as it is at times, there are also things like language that's used especially that you wouldn't use now. Right. I mean, so so much of this is just like different times, but that doesn't necessarily mean they get a pass on these things. No, we we need to acknowledge. To to be aware of. Yeah, totally. Like moving forward. So should we talk about, so now we're going to shit on it. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and okay, again, I feel like this is worth saying anytime we're talking about a problematic fave you can still like it you can still watch it it's not like we're saying that friends is a terrible evil show no and you need to withhold from that because listen nobody has the energy to cut out everything in your life that I would, that's problematic i would all. consume no media you would consume no media. You would wear no clothes because yeah. all fast fashion is, or cheap fashion, yeah. is deeply problematic. Yep. You know, like you would not have an iPhone. You, yeah, you would not drive. You know, certain cars. Like it's just like, but it's still. I feel it's still important to investigate. Like Absolutely. when we talked about Taylor Swift and John Lennon, it's important to understand everything. At least for me, it is. Like I want to know everything that's going on and then make an informed decision right. as to whether or not I want to participate in something, right. whether it be purchasing, you know, a phone or whether it be watching a certain TV show right. or listening to music. Because there are things that you can make decisions about and cut out and that's up to you. And there can you be know? specific things too that you know you're sensitive to and even if you like the show Friends, but the fat shaming of Monica maybe really bothers right. you, skip so those you skip episodes. it. You know? Yeah, exactly. So what I actually wanted to start with was the homophobia. Because I feel like we start off that show right away with right. some homophobia. Yes. Because the first episode, Ross is meeting with his ex-wife, Carol, who is a lesbian, and she tells him that she's pregnant. So that kind of spurs uh, him talking about his relationship with Carol. And a line that I wrote for season one that was problematic just in this instance was, this was Carol's favorite beer. She always drank it straight from the can. I should have known. Yeah. You know, it was... I mean, it's... Not a, that that's like, oh my God, a horrible, but you know... But it's, it's a running joke throughout the series. Like, yeah. It, I mean, and not just from Ross. It's a running joke throughout the series for all of the characters to poke fun. I mean, at one point, Rachel can't remember Carol's last name. Yeah, so she just says Carol lesbian. lesbian. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's... It's one of those things that's kind of like, yeah, it's not, none of this, or almost none of this that we talk about is going to be the worst thing ever. Yeah. But it's just one of those things that's like, ooh. Well, and the thing that I do like about Carol and Susan's relationship is the episode with the wedding. Oh, yeah, Ross coming to terms with it. Like, the really sweet relationship that they created throughout the series. Right, I mean... Um, But their relationship still is a butt of jokes, and it's not taken as seriously as... Uh, heterosexual relationships right. I mean, on the show amongst, are. Amongst the other friends. I feel like the writers actually did do a good job, and in this way it was really progressive, that Carol and Susan, their own relationship was really quite normal. And in fact, far and more successful than and any other. And they fought and, and, right. and stayed together, and they supported each other, and they, they right. co-parented. For, and you Susan know. is exhausted with Carol for always, like, Babying Ross, or whenever Ross and Rachel break up, yeah. And he but comes Susan over. is made to look like a villain half the time. Where I, I mean, love Susan. I feel like, I feel like, it could be looked at that way. I never looked at her as a villain. Ever. See, I was like, why are they trying to make me hate her? I never. That's felt how I that. Felt. I just felt like she was kind of they. I do what I do feel like is what they were trying to make her kind of like a stereotypical quote unquote lesbian, where she was at like, times tougher. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was like acutely aware of how everyone else perceived her lesbianism, but completely yeah. unapologetic about that. Yes. And so that's something that I, I'll give the Friends writers. Yes, you know, I'll give them that. So uh, there's a few more things before we get to what I see as the most problematic homophobic 
uh, issue. So Chandler throughout the series is also very also paranoid that people thought he was gay. Well, you know Chandler That's a big was story arc. Chandler was written to be a to gay be man. To be gay, yeah. At first, and then after they cast Matthew Perry and you know kind of saw the vibe of of all of them together, they changed their mind. Yeah. On that. So, but it it is at times kind of like a thing for him that he always seems hyper aware of his masculinity or lack thereof. Like when he has the Annie soundtrack and he's like, the sun will come out tomorrow. And they look, he's like, there'll be sun. Like he lowers his voice and tries to seem more like manly. Like he's very aware that people are judging him for having what could be a gay personality. There's a lot of toxic masculinity and fragile masculinity in this show. Like a ton. And sometimes... Most of the time, Chandler's on the receiving end of that, but sometimes he's on the on the other side of that. Like yeah. there's the episode where Joey has um, his purse, essentially like his handbag, his shoulder yeah, bag, yeah. and he's like, "I like this shoulder bag," and people yeah. poke fun at, at at that. Or the episode yeah. where Chandler or, walks in on him knitting, and he's knitting, and then and he Ross says, Hi, is putting on, and yeah. then Ross is putting on makeup, and he's like, "Where are all the men?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's like, a but ton I of think that. that's internalized like insecurity because there happens. He has been the butt of jokes so much. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know with Chandler. I mean, I don't I don't know how much leeway I'm willing to give. No, I completely but, agree, but I but I mean like I feel like in life when somebody acts that way, it's because they they're all like that. Like yeah. all of them are like well, that. Well, and then do you remember when um Ross and Monica and Chandler are like telling each other secrets? Right, yes. And Ross mentions that he like kissed a guy and that's like the biggest like whatever you dude, kissed you kissed a, a man. You kissed yeah. a guy, whatever dude, you kissed a guy and Monica, you kissed a guy and it's like the the biggest thing in the world yet when Rachel made out with her roommate in college it was, it was hot, hot. And sexy. Yeah. yeah oh the coconuts knocking together and blah 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 so it's definitely like that male gaze uh, toxic masculinity kind yeah. of thing yeah absolutely um, also the big thing for me is actually I would say very much transphobia when we talk about Chandler's dad Charles yeah there's a lot of things in that show uh, that treat that character horribly and I heard in an interview with the actor with the actress lately that said that she was treated horribly on the right. set. Right, so the actress is Kathleen Turner. Love her. Who, I couldn't think of the name. Who though. I Thank do you. love. Yeah, I do love Kathleen Turner and I always wondered about that what that must have felt like with her appearance, because that's what she looks like. I mean, they, right. they they did things to make her look more like a quote-unquote drag queen. She felt more and more like an outsider rather than mentioning the character from what I read. Right, but, but that character was definitely a novelty and yes. was at the butt of jokes. They did a few things that I feel like they tried to be inclusive in watching Chandler, because no one's saying that it wouldn't be a difficult thing to deal with, you know, so I feel like they did a good job of, of trying to get Chandler to deal with that yeah. when inviting him to their wedding and all of that stuff. But it still just there didn't feel... There was still feel... a lot of jokes. You know, don't you have a little bit too much penis to be wearing a dress like that? Yeah, you know, no, it's of just course. Kind of... like from the mother character is problematic in a whole different yeah. way. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, there was just a lot of times in that show where I feel like it could have been a really amazing character arc for I mean there and there was a great arc for Chandler and his dad but in today's day and age I wonder what could have happened um, with their character development and their relationship right and it it was always very unclear like they never they They never never called him transgender it's it's kind of a difficult thing to talk about because it was never addressed as to whether or not this was just a drag queen or someone who was actually transgender. Right. But any time Chandler's dad appeared in public, whether it be at the wedding um, or just in general yeah. in life, he was always dressed in drag. Yeah. So, but I love when they're walking down the aisle and Chandler tells his mom, you look beautiful, mom. And then his dad, like, <clears throat> and he's like, you look beautiful too, dad. Yeah, like, That's yeah. a really you, sweet you moment. You see Chandler really, like, coming to terms with that. And Monica really helped him do that. Yeah. So that was kind of a that's kind of a nice thing. Yeah. So while there was but of jokes where, you know, if I was somebody dealing with my gender identity that I maybe wouldn't feel uh the most seen with right. those jokes Absolutely. and I would probably it would probably hurt. Absolutely. But um, you know, again, for the time being, it probably was pretty progressive. I know, but I mean that's so much of this is difficult to talk about because 
it still sucks. Like, it's still Oh, bad, no, it doesn't you know? excuse it. Yeah, but it's, but you can tell that for the time, you, they totally were patting themselves on the back, like, oh, yeah. aren't we so progressive yeah. for even having this conversation at all? Have you heard about the, like, warning that Warner Brothers puts in front of their, like, old cartoons now? No. There's, like, a thing that basically is, like, a racism warning before showing old cartoons like Tom and Jerry. Like, I am not surprised. This is a thing of the times, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And it's, like, we understand your sentiment, but also, like, maybe just don't show those episodes. Like, maybe we yeah. need to just... I mean, I don't know. Again, like, I think it's kind of a fine line, too, because when they did that with Fantasia... And they cut out an entire portion of Fantasia that was racist and then just never and didn't talk about it and just That's I a feel movie. like we need to understand but I feel like we do need to not sweep this under the rug and let like right, but we need to understand that it, it is racist. Right, which which is why Warner Brothers put a warning in the front of it. Right. So I, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that because I feel like we cannot shill... While it's painful to see, as as a person of color, it's painful to see it. Um, and it hurts. And it makes you question whether or not you want to support that But you also don't stuff. want another generation to think that it's okay. You Or d- to get used to something and like you, that. But you want them to know that that was something that happened. True. Right? Like, we can't just, like, forget that that's, that was normal for... You know, your yeah. great-grandparents had to watch these... these Cartoons, Like, that yeah. was all they had, and that's how they saw themselves, and it's part of your history, that's you true. know? Yeah, I wonder if it could be more in, like, a controlled setting, but, you know, not every parent is going to do that. I don't right. know. That's yeah, interesting. I know, I know that's an interesting it's, thing to think it's about, It's a difficult, though. like, kind of debate. Yeah. So let's go kind of back on the part where we were talking about, like, Joey with the purse and things like that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about gender norms in the show and how yeah. uh, they uh, showed a lot of problematic sides of that. So we can talk, let's talk a little bit about Joey's purse and let's also talk a little bit about how Joey is sometimes perceived as feminine, making his home more girly for his roommate Janine. He does that commercial for like the lipstick for men and he he really likes his man purse to the point even where, you know, he wears it for an audition and they're like, can you do it again without the purse? And he's like, no, this is my bag. It's my bag. Yeah, I love this bag. And I, I love that episode so much. Joey to me, as sexist as he can be, there's a childlike uh, just wonder about him. Right, of course. Where he sees things so simply. That's where he's thing. always the first person to be willing to try something yeah. without worrying about what other people are going to say. Yeah, that's the thing about all of these characters is they have qualities that are really, really endearing, which yeah. is what has made this series so successful. Like, what yeah. has made this series so successful are the characters and their relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I always loved Joey. I loved Joey growing up. Yeah. But I'm sure we will get to some of the things that he did that were oh, yeah. he incredibly was, problematic. He was not perfect, but I remember the episode where Chandler and Ross are freaking out about the breast milk. Yeah. And he's like, I'll try it. Yeah. You know what I mean? To me, that's a good example of like... It's more open Where in some he ways. may be very closed-minded about certain things, he does have like a, a wonder and a curiosity. And well, I think it's that childlike quality that might be what gets him in trouble could be a lot of the time because a lot of the way that he relates to women i feel like is a very teenager yeah way it's very madonna whore into his 30s he's still kind of treating women the way that you would treat them right out of high school you know what i mean like i i agree um if we want to talk more about ross and uh, or about Joey when Ross and Joey take the nap together. Oh yes, and they like freak out. And There's can't a talk little bit of homophobia it. there. Yeah, and then also it's the whole thing where like they have that whole montage of Joey and Chandler hugging, and they're like, "We do this too much." Ooh, yeah, ooh, we need ooh, to stop. Ooh. We need to stop. Or when they'd be hugging, and someone would walk in, and they'd be like, "Oh, we're not doing anything." Yeah, 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 yeah. Which at, the, at one point it's like, "Oh, guys really do can have those loving relationships for one another," but at the same time, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel sorry. For being right. affectionate with right. your I mean, And friend. again, I think that the show was really trying to do something a little progressive. And yeah. being like, men have these really close, loving relationships. Yeah. But at the same time, no homo. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I, you know? For real. Yeah. And then uh, a big one that gets brought up a lot in a lot of the articles that I read were it's that Ross didn't like that Ben played with Barbie. Oh, yes. I read a ton of articles, too, and that was That's always, like, the first one. And, um... <laughs> Which 
It's a little surprising, given all the other problematic things on that show. Um, so basically what happens is Carol and Susan bring Ben over for his time with, with Ross. Uh-huh. And Ben has a new toy, and his new toy is a Barbie doll. Barbie! And Ross freaks the fuck out. Why, why does my boy have a Barbie? Yeah. What, and I, what does Susan say? She's like, are you afraid he'll grow up to be in politics? Was that what she said? I don't remember what it's her something line like was. that. But he also definitely, like, demonized Carol and Susan but for, like, poisoning their son yeah. against him. Yeah, I like, love All because how, he plays with Barbie dolls. This, this is the episode where Rachel, or where Joey does that commercial with the easy pour milk spout. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Rachel's like, why don't you just let your son play with this doll sticks the spout into the milk carton? <laughs> like, it's yeah, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's true. They all kind of, everybody else is kind of like, so what? And he's like, G.I. Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is cooler. And, and I remember growing up as a kid during that time period in the 90s was really the first time that I had ever well of course I was a kid but it was it's the first time that I can ever remember in mainstream culture having the conversation about boys playing with baby dolls or yeah. barbie dolls or traditionally girl yeah Well, what comes out at the end of that episode? That Ross used to dress up as a girl with Monica and have tea parties. And pretend to be a... What was was the girl's... She was in... It was a great name, and I can't remember remember what it is. It was, oh, um, I-M-D... I or B, I drink tea. Oh, that's Won't right. You dance around with me, and it's like, and that's a really normal thing for kids to explore, like different well, also, toys. Later and games. on, the um, the their mother. Remember, I think she's talking to Rachel where she yes. says he used to tuck, tuck his, his penis between, between his, his legs. legs and say, Mommy, I'm a girl, bring me with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think maybe some of that is is internalized well, in a I, way, in the way that he reflects on, yeah. on his children. And um, honestly, all of that is completely normal All for of kids. it is so normal. <laughs> every, every kid, like experiments with that sort of thing. Yes, Every that's kid does. so normal. Yeah. So there's that. And then uh, the big one for me that always pissed me off was the male nanny. Oh, yeah. That he one was fucked up. went ballistic. Yeah. Ross, to me, I'm just going to say this flat out, is the most problematic person on this show. He treats people like shit. He is not, like, considered of other, like cultures and nationalities he's not considerate of, of other people's beliefs i have a whole like ross list yeah no ross is definitely really problematic to. i think every character on this show is problematic it is, but i ross for me just, yeah i know he grates on you he grinds your gears oh i could yeah. just i have i literally have a whole list that i no, would I love know. to read I, at some like, point ross is absolutely super problematic um I think this episode like just he's like are you gay with like, in an Jr., interview, right? Yeah, just yeah. in the interview, they're like talking to him, and he's like, "Yeah, I have a, a degree," and blah blah blah, and like he's this great candidate, and Ross just goes, "Are you gay?" Yeah, so you're and a guy Rachel's like, who's a nanny. Yeah, yeah. Are you gay? Yeah, yeah. And Rachel's like, "What the fuck?" And what? he's like, "He cooks these amazing cookies, and he does puppet shows, and like is the best nanny ever." Here's the thing with Ross: I think that a lot of his issues stem from deep insecurity. He's he's super insecure and having this like man in his house. Like he doesn't even see the gendered double standard of yeah. because then they go on to hire a really hot nanny who's yeah. a girl and who turns out and, to be a lesbian. And you don't understand that like you feel threatened by having a man in your house, a good-looking man, Freddie Prince Jr. in your house, right? Like you feel threatened by that, but you don't see that it's it's the exact same thing. Right. Whenever but you hire a super but hot gender- Nanny. But it's gender yeah. norms Super. to have a female yeah, nanny. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, let's start talking about some sexism. This first one that I found was interesting is something that I never really thought about. And as an adult, this is really problematic to me. How Rachel hires Tag because oh, she finds yeah. him attractive. Oh, that has that always was, bothered me. Rachel's it, problematic, man. Yeah, like, it bothered me, but it never, but it, it didn't jump out to me as much as other things did. It, it always jumped out to me a lot because... If you think about, if you switch the genders on that, oh, it would yeah, be horrifying. horrifying. Which and again, she did turned it. down. Somebody did at one point, right? She, I don't know, but she totally turned down qualified 
you know, female candidates. Yeah. Because she wanted to hire this completely unqualified, young, good-looking guy because she wanted to sleep with him. And then so she actively sabotaged his relationship. And told them that he was gay. Told the office that he was yeah. gay so women wouldn't which go after him. Which really is messed so up. messed up. Yeah. And, like, not something a boss should ever do. Right. And it's messed up on many, many levels. Yeah. You know? So that was always something that, that really bugged me um, and is definitely sexist on the other side of that spectrum. Yeah, it's it's the expectation of like men in the workplace and like wanting somebody to be your little boy toy basically. Oh god, it's and so if it's gross. your boss, like yeah. anytime like and she Weinsteined him. That's yeah, not okay. And he was much younger than her. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's creepy. It's I mean, 100% creepy. Age differences don't bother me. It's, no, it's but the there is power no, dynamic that's of, of it's for me there's age and power especially when it's a workplace environment that age is a Factor. I mean, in the power I, I think so, but to me, I'm just like, if they were the same age and that's your boss, it does like it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it's still no, it's still fucking. Yeah, it's fucked up. Um, how about whenever Ross pretended to be a masseuse so yep. that he could massage a hot client? Yeah. So he, this is when Phoebe was doing massages out of Ross's apartment, and yep. so her clients would show up at his house, yep. and he was getting fed up with it. He was mad about it. Yeah. But then the second he opened. The door, it's and it hot was a lady. hot girl. He basically was just like, "I'm gonna pretend to be a masseuse so that I can which touch your body." Disgusting. Yeah, which is, I actually had that underneath my borderline abuse no, slash that, problematic as that's fuck. That's a huge <laughs> like, violation. It's a massive violation of trust, and it's it's basically sexual assault. You, you it can't is you, you can't have a touch naked, naked woman, body. right? I mean, and in the end, the joke ended up being that it was actually for, for her, her like dad. grandpa or dad. But again, or that was also so gross because. He is so homophobic or that he like, won't paranoid touch that he wouldn't touch her father and with using his like hands. Tonka trucks and like yeah wooden spoons yeah to massage him so yeah that was fucked Ugh. up. Um, women are constantly being objectified, mostly I feel by Chandler and Joey in the first few seasons, especially Joey uh, throughout. Few, I feel like I'm, yeah, Joey throughout from for start sure. to finish. Um, a few that just like. Came to my mind when I was writing down my notes was like where they talk about wide back. Remember where they were referring to Ross's date as wide back, and oh, he's I like not wide that. back, or like Joey's dancer roommate. How he they oh, yeah. were like really excited to spend Thanksgiving with like the oh, drunk yeah. dancers. You know, roommate wanted, non-smoker, non-ugly. Yeah, to me that one is really bad. Like Joey has a few instances where you're just like. Again, I feel like a common theme throughout this is just going to be, like, sexist double standards. Like, the way in which he freaked the fuck out on Chandler when Chandler kissed one of his sisters. Yeah. And couldn't remember which one. And yet, this is a man who will abandon women that he's just had sex with and He threw someone's wooden leg in the fire. Well, I mean, I think that was an accident, wasn't it? He didn't do that on purpose. Well, no, but then he left her. Right, but exactly, that's it. It's like, he... He got so mad at Chandler for kissing one of his sisters because he can see his sisters as people. Yeah. But he will sleep with a girl, then leave and make his roommates make them breakfast and break up with yeah. him for him. Yeah. Which is disgusting. Yeah. Like, it's super, super gross, Joey. And it's, like, something I feel that with that kind of sexism was something that I very much normalized oh, in sure. my male friendships. Joey was my favorite. Like, I, I thought Joey was the cutest. And oh, I, totally I had such just a crush thought, on Chandler. I totally just thought that that's the way that guys were. Like, well, that's and, how they interacted. And I treated, like, how Joey is most of the time with like Phoebe and Rachel I would kind of be the Phoebe and Rachel at times for my friends with like if they needed like a wing woman kind yeah, of, of you know what I mean it like, made you a cool girl it made me feel like I was a part right. of it like I didn't feel so on the outside right and, and if they made sexist jokes to you as Joey does specifically a lot in this show yeah. he makes sexist jokes to his friends yeah and they know that they're jokes they know that they're friends but it's still not okay the way he right. objectifies his female friends is yeah. really uncomfortable too Right. You know, so I, 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 again, I love Joey. I think that he is a fun part of the show, but I agree. His, his sexism became kind of like, I feel like it's worrisome whenever we start normalizing sexism in that way where we make yeah. it cute. 
and yeah. kind of like endearing yeah. when it's really harmful and problematic. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing for me is that there are, for me, there's so many good things about Joey. Like I really, you remember when he wore like the underwear, the women's underwear? Oh yeah. And yeah, he yeah. was like, uh, I mean, even then though, after a while he was like, I feel like I need to like do something really manly right now. And Phoebe's like, I feel like you should. Cause he was like really enjoying it. He's like, this is this great. Is it feels good. Yeah. And he's the one who's trying to like instigate more naps and things like that. Yeah. Like, and he's, he's the more one open. And he's the one that's like saying like, I'm comfortable in my manliness. He's always kind of saying that like, I'm a man. But then again, he also says, I'm a man because look at the women I've slept with. Look yes, at the list of women yeah, I've slept with. Yeah, and qualifying or like Oh, I had sex in high school and yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and if you didn't, that you were lame. He's definitely a bro in that He's way. He's totally yeah, a bro. Yeah. Totally a bro. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about racism in this show. Did you know there's only two people of color in the entire series? Well, there's technically three because you got, you've got Gabrielle Union had like one episode. Which episode was she in? She was in an episode where she was the hot girl who was moving in, and Joey and Ross oh, fight over her. Oh, yes. Right. Okay, there's three. So, but did you notice, and this is a fun fact, so you might hate Ross, but we can love David Schwimmer because... Oh, I love David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer is the reason why you even got those three. Did you notice how all three... So you have Julie, his, his girlfriend, girlfriend in mm-hmm. like season two, two. And then you have Aisha Charlie. Tyler, Charlie, uh, in one of the last seasons. And Nine then, and ten. And then um, you had... Gabrielle Union in an episode in the middle and they all have relationships with Ross and that's because David Schwimmer pushed for diversity on the show. Like he was the one who was just like I love him. I know he's great. I he's love fantastic. Him. Like, like I can't even fully hate like I hate Ross. I hate But David Schwimmer's a Ross, great character. But I love David imagine, Schwimmer and he's so talented. Imagine how much less likable Ross would have been with a different actor. Oh like, my god. David Schwimmer made him made him more likable. Oh yeah. But, Dave he's so But yeah, talented. because I think it's First of all, when Julie gets in and she's got jealous Rachel there, yeah. Rachel is like talking, to, nice to meet you. Where are you from? Welcome and Julie's to like, our country. And Julie's like, I'm from New York. Like, yeah. I'm from here. Yeah. You know, just because I'm Asian doesn't mean that I'm like, I just, I, I'm from China yeah. or whatever. Um, but it's Ludicrous. I mean, um, I know it's a sitcom, and they live in giant apartments in New York City, and there's a lot of <laughs> things that are unbelievable about it. Yeah. But one of the most unbelievable things, and I feel this with, like, Seinfeld and all of these other shows of the time, is that you live in one of the most diverse cities on the planet, or you're supposed to be, right? You're in New York City. It's yeah. one of the most diverse cities on the planet, and you have zero friends of color? Like, yeah. Like, just none? <laughs> Well, they only hung out with each other. <sighs> yeah, I mean, they only hung out with each other, but they dated a lot of people. Like, there were tons of That's side true. people. Like, That's And true. they never dated a black guy. There no. was one time, where, there was two times when they had, like, a Latin lover type, but those were both... Was Wayne Brady on the show, or am I just thinking How I Met Your Mother? That's How I Met Your Mother. I think. Okay. I don't think he was No, I know show. that Wayne Brady is on How I Met Your Mother, but I feel like he was not... But I'm probably... I don't I'm think so. Wrong. I don't think so. And he's also doing... Who's line with Aisha Tyler? So it gets very confusing oh, now. God, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, to me that was it is, and nowadays it's so weird to think about because you watch sitcoms now and they're far more diversified. I feel like after How I Met Your Mother was kind of like the break. Yeah. Of I mean, there's still a lot. Like I just started watching the Goldbergs, and you know, haven't yeah. seen any people of color yet. Actually, no, there's I've seen one, one Asian guy on that show. There's the the black man. I'm on like episode three. Right, the, the black the man first, in the in the, the furniture store. The first few. There's definitely more. Like the principal's black on that. Yeah, but I feel like this situation, like this kind of sitcom where yeah. it's friends. Like yeah. think about New Girl or think about any yeah. of these shows now. They're, they're trying to diversify. A yeah, bit. because no. No one's friend group is like that, especially yeah. like not in a diverse city. Yeah, and luckily people are becoming more and more intolerant of shows like that. Like it's like oh, we don't want to just see the same group of white friends over and over again, like Friends and How I Met Your Mother. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like want... How I Met Your Mother was kind of like the last one that was like allowed to do that, where yeah. they were like, "Here's a group of all white people who hang out with each other all the time and never bring in anybody who's not, unless it's a token." Yeah. You know. So it's. I mean, you guys, I I put the promo for this show in the last episode, but listen to your fave is Problematics episode about How I Met Your Mother, because it 
goes there and it makes me so happy yeah i i, I don't watch about. how i met your mother anymore because barney grosses me out oh so it's much. hard yeah, yeah i can't like, watch it anymore either uh the other thing that is incredibly racist but very much cultural appropriation also is monica's cornrows Ooh, ooh, yes yeah that and chandler calls them disgusting at yes. one point so all of and it is everybody's bad. making fun of her for it and like i mean and as someone who has you know kind of railed against culturally appropriating black hairstyles. I'm not going to sit here and like rah rah for for her having that hairstyle in the first place, but in the context of the show, it was like she has really curly hair and it was out of control and she was excited to have it like yeah. tamed in braids and she was traveling somewhere where she probably had it done. Again to yeah. me, it felt more like a cultural appreciation situation, but it's the way that they reacted their to reactions it. to it were Soups racist. Yeah. Like, really, they're like, I can see your scalp. Yeah. Yeah, and just like, that's so gross. Like, yeah. Like, they basically reacted to it like it was disgusting and made tons of jokes and about like, it. And, like, would it touch her hair? And Right, like, like, like she Chandler was didn't like, want to kiss her. Yeah, she was, like, trying to be sexy with her hair, and he's like, ugh. Yeah. yeah it's weird. It felt it's such very a, icky. It's such a violent reaction to, like, yeah, hair. Yeah, over so something that weird. I could see being taken aback for a second, because you're not used to seeing her like that. But then, like, but get over then it. then get over it. Like, you know... I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That and, and really rubbed me wrong. Also, just if somebody is genuinely excited about their hair... Fake like, it. F- fake it, yeah. yeah. Just, it's their hair. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when Monica gets home to New York, she she should probably take the braids oh, out. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, you when know? I was on the cruise, so many, because we were in Mexico, so many people got their hair braided, and you know what? I was like, that's fine. It's fine. We're in Mexico. You got your hair braided by a Mexican woman in Cabo. That's okay. But I will tell you, as soon as we got back to Long Beach and I saw all these little blonde kids running around with cornrows, I was like, oh, no. Like, this feels wrong now. Like, you guys should... Oh, I did it when I was younger, but now I would never do it. Yeah, I was like, you guys should probably take your hair down now. This was... That was boat life. We're done with that. Yeah, this isn't cute anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was another another not-so-good thing. Uh, Let's talk about some fat shaming, mostly surrounding Monica. Yeah. Or what they say... That Monica. Yeah. The thing for me with that whole storyline that bothered me was that nobody loved and felt Monica was worthy. Nobody. Until she, not even her parents. Not even her parents. Yeah, nobody. Until she lost weight. Her future husband was like, don't leave me here with your fat sister to Ross. And that's apparently why she lost all this weight. It's total, it's insatiable. It was a revenge body. It's insatiable. Which I think is so gross. And then she, and then she like, you know, is trying to seduce him and wants to like embarrass him. And it's this whole thing. And then she, it ends up sticking and like. It's done in such an unrealistic and horrible, demeaning way that that for me is something that's really hard it's, for it's me to watch. It's triggering. I think the first time you see "quote unquote" fat Monica in that home video, Joey says, "Oh, who ate Monica?" Yeah, you know, or something like that, which is really just, and also just not how you treat your friend. No, because. I would be so sensitive about that. There's yeah. no way that I would be laughing, or I wouldn't be liking those jokes to and be made about me. And that's how you can tell that... I almost called her Demi Moore. <laughs> that's how you can tell that... What is her name? Uh, Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox! My right. God! Yeah. That's how you can tell that she's never been overweight. Yeah, yeah. And people say to, you know, with the way that... Remember uh, the one that could have been or whatever at the end, she's, like, dancing in the suit? Like, they're saying that that is not how, like somebody who has been put down for their weight constantly wouldn't be, like, typically wouldn't be celebrating it that much or feel so comfortable. I don't know. Like Right. No, they I've never been in that situation, so I can't say. They portrayed Monica, for the most part, in those flashbacks when she was overweight. They portrayed her very often as being confident, like, going out with Rachel to frat parties and, and being pretty confident. And, like, you know, I've had the same amount of beer as you, and I can't feel a thing. Yeah, and, like, and yeah. so many fat jokes. And also... While I know that that's kind of like a thing on that show where she's like dancing in the fat suit and it's yeah. like funny, but it's also just like it's such a spectacle. It looks like a spectacle. It's like, like it laugh like, at the freak. You yeah, know? exactly. Like that's yeah. what it feels like, and it wouldn't make me feel good. No, you know. And then you look at the way that Monica is in the present as being this, you know, very thin, very thin, very thin woman. Yeah. 
And and she's a chef, and you're like, she never struggles with her body weight throughout the entire series. Like, that yeah. was never written in that she ever had a a relapse or any kind right. of... Right. Well, it's because at that time, especially people, you know, I mean, and we're still having issue with it, obviously, the discussion of mental health along with your diet and your weight. You know what I yeah, mean? Like because it would be hard to keep that weight hard. off. And especially if you were around food all day, every day. There and you is had a, a mental aspect. I mean, and... It. And if you already were, like, maybe genetically predisposed to put weight on, yeah. you know, some people have a higher metabolism than others, and yeah. she was, you're telling me, because, I mean, they make jokes about her being fat as a little girl. Yeah. Like, oh, you broke our, our dog's back because yeah. you, you were the 200-pound five-year-old. Hurricane whatever didn't break the porch swing. Monica, Monica did. did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that part's rough. That part makes me really... Uh, uncomfortable and very sad. I want to hug young Monica. And they all do it. Like, they all make fun of her for yeah. it. Yeah. It's know? rough. Like, her mom is just horrible She's so to her. toxic and mean. Horrible I to feel her. bad for Monica's character even her, so much. Even her dad, who will act so loving to her at times, will, like, say something out of the blue that's so wrong. Well, and they all very noticeably favor Ross. Yeah. <laughs> like, without even trying to really hide it, that no. he's, like, their favorite, which is also really damaging, yeah. like, to a child. You wonder why she maybe had food issues. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or any other, or why she's, like, super OCD or whatever Yeah. And also, that's another thing, that's where they kind thing. of treat her OCD as a joke. Yeah. On that show, which I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like her. She, she should talk to somebody. It's, well, maybe she kind of went from... Like her obsession with food to her obsession with everything Cleaning needing to be just so. Yeah, but if that's you're giving, something that's very common, but you're yeah. trading one thing for the other. Yeah, and if you're giving your husband so much anxiety about needing to put every last thing back in its spot exactly yeah. where it goes within an inch yeah. by the time you get back home from work, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, like you know. But she, I mean, luckily she does. She's like, I don't expect you to care about she that totally kind of stuff. She totally responded in a in a loving way, but his but she, anxiety was real. Yeah, like, but she also shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't feel like right. you need to put everything exactly in its well, place. Well, she does have her her secret closet. That's true. Full of things. That's but yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right. So I mo- everything that I have in my borderline abusive slash problematic as fuck section has to do with Ross. So can I do my Ross list? Yes. Yes. Thanks. Have at it. Feel free. But then I have something. I have a a, a positive list after about a different character. Okay, cool. Just to kind of like level it out a little. Give you some balance. I understand. Yeah. So I found a blog on Tumblr called whatgivesrosstheright.tumblr.com. Okay. Uh, I got some information off of there. Also got some information from my own my own brain and some information from the good old articles and things like that. So, Ross Geller broke into a girl's apartment for a shirt. He did that. He did that. In the one that could have been, Ross literally uses the phrase "not all men" with Rachel when when she talks about her cheating husband. He li- like he says "not all men," Ugh. and she makes this face like "ugh." Uh, when he refused to annul his marriage with Rachel and kept it from her that they're still married. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, you can't do that. Asserting his dominance over Rachel at her job. Okay, so, pause. Let's talk about that. It's a huge storyline. It's, it's an arc that runs through the entire, um, we were on a break. It's a thing that runs through the entire show. Right. So let's talk about how this started. It kind of starts, so Rachel got this job that she loves. When Ross and Rachel started, she was a waitress. He was very successful. I think he liked the way that that power dynamic was. Of course, because she was the popular girl who didn't treat him so well in high school. And and she needed him and he could feel like this big man or whatever. So she gets this new job. She has an attractive man help her get this job, which is intimidating to him because remember Joey even says like he's like, Joey, are you friends with women? Uh, What did he say? Just to be nice. Just to be nice? No, No, only only for for sex. sex, Which is shitty on Joey's part. Yeah. So, but Ross believes it too. And so he's saying like, I don't trust this Mark guy. And then Rachel is explaining that she likes having a part of her life that was just hers. And he could not understand or accept that. 
Um, so he starts asserting his dominance at her job. He's like losing his mind. And Rachel's like, I can't do this anymore. Let's just take a break. And he gaslights her hard. He makes her feel like she's crazy. Yes. For reacting the way that she is by being upset that you've come in, you've wrecked my... And as someone who like works in an office and sometimes kind of high pressure situations, like if you need to get something done or you're up against a deadline or you're placing an order and you can't get it wrong or whatever and having someone come in and disrupt your entire evening yeah is it's so unfair unfair and infuriating and he's like I can't have a relationship with your answering machine it's like no you just don't like that she has some sort of power. And there are better ways to go about if you feel like I need to spend more time with you or I'm not seeing you enough. Maybe or, just communicate. Or this or that. Maybe have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. like, And not in the way that Ross has conversations. No, because, because his conversations really are awful. Reactionary. Yeah. yeah. So then there's, there's the whole, you know, we were on a break thing. And then eventually, you know, they get back together and again, it's this recurring All right, so how do you feel about, about the we were on a break argument here? My, for most of my childhood... I felt really bad for Ross really? in a way because well I shouldn't say for most of my childhood when I was very young because just because I wanted them together. Okay. That was the only reason. But so did I. but I very much understood Rachel's frustration. I don't have a side necessarily because I just feel like the whole situation people got hurt and that sucks. And he should not have kept it from her. He should have been very upfront with what he did when Rachel said that she wants to make up and make things right. He shouldn't have hid it from her. And I think that she was right to be hurt and reactionary and he was wrong to react so horribly to her being upset. Does that make sense? Yes, I agree. I also think I would have done the same thing that Rachel did. Of course, even I would too. If, and honestly, even if he had told me right away, I would have really had to have thought long and hard about of- whether or not I wanted to continue that relationship. Yes. Because if if you were in the wrong in this fight, I truly believe that like Ross was in the wrong oh, yeah. in that fight, and then you are the one who wanted to be the victim and run out and go sleep with someone else right away when we Where were... Where she spent the night heartbroken and upset and seriously and thinking you. about her life. Right. Yeah. And and to me it says something really bad about your relationship if you can just go and like have sex with someone else right, right that night. But you, you know? know what? There are times where people do make that mistake and it doesn't mean that he doesn't love her. So you know there is a, and I'm not defending Ross Geller at all. I'm the last Yeah, I'm just to saying I was him. team Rachel in that in that Oh no, fight. I'm 100% <laughs> team Rachel, but I just with the whole thing I think that if we're talking about other people maybe there would be a little bit more of a gray area, but because it's Ross and he was so wrong in that fight and then just to go off and do something so stupid is horrible and I would have a horrible time trying to trust him again. I can't believe that. Oh, Rachel- absolutely. Oh, and then when she writes the thing about, I need you to take full responsibility, he's like, fuck you, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what the fuck? And, and, and his friends are trying to be like, um, you need to weigh whether or not this is worth having Rachel back, and he can't lose the argument. He can't. So he starts another fight, yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. He could have had Rachel back so much sooner. Yeah. Although, sorry, before we continue on with everything that's fucked up about Ross, yeah. can we talk about when they got back together and Rachel's jealous ass made that girl shave her head? And the fact that someone having a shaved head is seen as being unattractive so to the point where Ross break up. has to break up with her? Yeah, I... And she was, like, proud of her shaved head. She yes. was happy about it. She let, loved herself. Let the girl do yeah, her Yeah, but also, Rachel, that's some mean girl shit that's not okay. Very not like, okay. just deliberately trying to sabotage a guy's girlfriend that you want to be with. Yeah. And it's we're fighting over Ross here, Rachel. He's I not mean, worth it. I mean. Not worth it. So let's talk about when Ross yelled at Rachel when she wasn't ready for his work event. That part is so hard for me to watch when he is like, get your butt in there and get dressed and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, oh, his reaction. I agree is really bad in that episode. Although I will say I feel for Ross because no one was ready. And if it was something that was like important to you and because it's if it, his it, language, it's no, his no, no, language. That he used his that is his so language mm. is bad, but also something about Rachel that's shitty is her selfishness. Like, she's oh, yeah. so selfish. And to me, it would hurt me if my partner, if it was something that meant something to me. Yeah. And my partner couldn't even get their shit together enough to, like, be ready for me. Yeah. But also, I agree. He, his language throughout the series, he has almost, like, an anger issue. Uh, well, he does at one point. He has to yeah. go to court-ordered... Yeah. 
uh, anger management. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit to when he dates one of his college students. Oh, gross. And then when said college-age student says that she wants to go on spring break... Gets hella jealous. He freaks out. Yeah. And then he's going to let her go and sees that it's all dudes. Then he flies and there. And then he joins her yeah. to keep tabs on her. Gross. Disgusting. And then he gets Rachel pregnant, and the, his first reaction is, what well, we're going to get married. Doesn't ask her. Doesn't maybe consider that there are other options. Says, we're going to get married. He makes the decision well, for That's her. Ross's M.O. there. And then gets mad when the baby is born. Rachel misunderstands and thinks Joey is proposing to her. Ross gets mad at Joey for unknowingly proposing to Rachel. or And also, when Joey falls in love with Rachel, he has this reaction that is right. like, yes, you can be hurt and upset, but you don't have ownership over you, exactly, Rachel. Exactly, yeah. That's yeah, not, she doesn't belong to you. And yeah. I think at one point, Joey even says, like, what? Or Chandler says, like, wasn't that, like, six years ago? Yes. Yeah. It's like it's like you're in some sort of weird time jump or whatever. Um, he cheated on both Julie and Bonnie with Rachel. Yeah. He brags about the number of times he's had sex with Rachel to a total stranger when they're buying that couch. Right. He tells his parents that... Uh, Oh, when he wouldn't tell his parents that he smoked the pot and not Chandler, even though it was, like, ruining his sister's relationship. Right. Like, with her future husband. Well, he can't stop being the golden son. I know. It's so fucked up. And then, when he made Rachel choose between him and her dream job, which yeah. is manipulative. Well, not only did he make her choose, he actively tried to sabotage it. Yeah. On, like, more than one occasion. He tried to, like, get the job taken away and then brought back and then... Right. Like, he had no thought about I mean, here's the it problem. being inconsiderate. Uh, here's the problem with Ross. He doesn't know how to have, like, actual fucking conversations. Like, no. if this is how you're feeling, like, you would have gotten Rachel back so much sooner if you could just communicate in yeah. any kind of real it's adult like way. like most sitcom things, though, is that, like, most sitcoms, like, that's the basis to all the problems in the shows is that they don't yeah, know how yeah. to communicate. Yeah, but that's exactly it, because no normal person would basically go and try and bargain for someone to lose their job. Yeah. You know, especially not someone you loved and cared about. Uh, right. You know, and if you really love her that much, she'll make it work. Yeah. No matter the distance or whatever. Exactly. Maybe you should get a job in Paris then. Or maybe you should just have, like you said, have trust in the relationship. And if it's meant to be, mm-hmm. make it work. Because you know in the long run, you know, we were talking about this the other day in Boy Meets World. When Topanga is like, you do you and I'll do me. And if we end up together, it's beautiful. Right. You know, you have to have trust that things are going to work out instead of constantly feeling like you have to manipulate everything. And even when they get together, he's like, unless we're on a break. It's like, no, yeah. he's going to carry that stuff with him forever because that's what he does. He's like a squirrel. Yeah. And keeping his, it all on his And cheeks. his attachment to Rachel is unhealthy. Like, it's just, because he was... He, like, idolizes her. He was obsessed with her throughout high school. And I feel like it's almost like she's his prize, right? Yeah. Like, if, if he can be with Rachel... I mean, and in that he episode... That life. In that episode where Brad Pitt is guest starring and he hates her, which is kind yeah. of funny because they were married at the time or whatever, yeah. but he's just like, you dated Rachel Green and knocked her up and you're not going to marry her? Nice. Yeah. Like, it was kind Ugh. of like one of those... Yeah, she was, revenge things, yeah, too. Yeah, and like pride. One thing that I forgot to mention that is a big... Ooh, to me, is basically when we see that Ross has no understanding of consent. Yeah. Because they're at a college party. Ooh, and he talks about what he thinks is his first kiss with Rachel. She's passed out on the bed with a bunch of coats on top of her. And he goes to give her a kiss on the cheek. And she and moves, she her, moves face. her face. Yeah. And they kiss. And Monica's like, that wasn't Rachel, that was me. Which is also soups, gross. There were There's like, a few incestual yes. things in there where like... Like, whenever there's the tape of Rachel and Ross having sex, and Monica's like, I want to watch it. And I'm like, why would you want to watch <laughs> your brother having sex? Why? Uh, I would never. Yeah. No, there's a few things that's really weird. Also about, like, how he, like, let her know about, like, when he lost his virginity. Which, I mean, I guess there's some things that you can share with your sister, and it's fine. But there's, like, their relationship at times is just really, yeah. really bizarre. But, yes, you can't he go around hate. kissing people that you, like, at parties who are passed out at parties. And if you did... If that actually happened, if that was Rachel and you went to kiss her on the forehead, you should not do that, first of all. Like, it's just, you're asking yourself to get in some trouble there. Right. And then you were to kiss. If I was in that situation, 
I would then talk to that person and say, hey, I went to check in on you last night. This thing happened. I want to just make sure that you know and make sure that you're okay with it or talk to you about it. Because you also can't qualify that as your first kiss if she never knew it happened. Exactly. Like, that's not how that works. That's not like a cute, oh, my first kiss was with Rachel. It's disgusting. Can I talk about why I love Phoebe? Yes. Okay. I love Phoebe, too. She's so positive and carefree. Phoebe is, like, the way, her self-confidence is, like, what I aspire in myself. I always think about, when I think about that, I always think about the episode where she's running. And yes. she, like, runs like a little weirdo. But she's, like, she's like, but this is how you, this is how I ran when I was a kid. And, and it's, it's the fun. fun. It's the fun way to run. It's, like, being carefree, throwing your arms and legs And she around. wears what she wants. And yeah. she does the art that she wants. And she sings the songs that she wants. And she's... Like sexually confident, sexually confident, yeah. and also at times kind of woke. Like the sometimes men love women, sometimes men love men, and then there are bisexuals, and some just say they're kidding themselves. And <laughs> kind of like, Ugh. yeah. Um, but like, she does have some kind of like woke ishness about those certain things, and typically sees people as people well, and not as their and labels. she's really not to diminish. Chandler's childhood because it's brought up all the time that he's from a broken home and how difficult that uh, was from him. I'm for him. sorry, Phoebe's childhood. Phoebe's, Phoebe's the only one who had any real like any real struggle. Well, <laughs> you know? And then also like she's the only one that is completely unattached to the group really. And Joey a little bit too, but she, you know, they they weren't friends in high school. They didn't know each other forever. Well, you know, they originally roommates. They were supposed to be side characters. Yeah, I know. Phoebe and Joey were supposed to be side well, and, characters. And Chandler. It was supposed to be mostly about Monica, Rachel, and Ross. Yeah. I read that it was just Phoebe and Joey were like in and out. Right. Well and then and Chandler then, was supposed to be like around more but just comedic yeah. You know, relief. Yeah. So, yeah, she is a an example of somebody who has gone through depression, estranged families, suicide, and homelessness. teen homelessness. Yeah. And has really, like, and they kind of, you know, pick on her a little bit for it, but I think that Phoebe is such a strong character to have come out of that, to have created a great life for herself, and to be so positive and well-adjusted mm-hmm. when all of that stuff happened in your formative years. Finding out even that your, you know, grandfather wasn't Albert Einstein and that your dad wasn't the guy in the picture. And, you know, right. like, and she's, she was lied she to a lot. She displays a lot of real, true uh, friendship and selflessness. Yeah. Like, she has a few hiccups, of course, because she's a, a human and a fully fleshed-out yes. character. Like, whenever she... And granted, this is problematic and gross... A little bit. Whenever her brother, Frank Jr., gets engaged to his teacher. Oh, yeah. His high school teacher. Yeah. Which is like, ooh. Mm. Because it's it's highly, like... It's um, high school. And it's, it's really, like, uh, hinted at that they had something going on while he was in school. Oh, yeah. Which is That's really what I always assumed. Gross. Yeah. Really gross. And so Phoebe's reaction to it... home ec teacher. Yeah. And so Phoebe's reaction to it is justifiably squicked out, right? Yeah. Like, she's weirded out by it. Yeah. But as their relationship develops and, and moves forward, like, she manages to adjust. She sets her own feelings aside for her brother's happiness. Yeah. Going so far as to carry his babies. Right? And to be so selfless. Selfless about it. She's selfless about everything. Like, right. they even mention it where it's like, you know, she has plans with Joey and Joey skips out on her for a girl and she's like friends don't do that this is important right you know she has her priorities in check and the thing that I just really really love about Phoebe is that she puts Ross in his place yes most of the time if someone's she gonna puts put them Ross all, she puts them all she in does place. and I just the the instances that I remember the most is like when remember the episode where like Ross can't fathom that somebody wouldn't believe in evolution yes and, oh I watched that like last night yeah and uh He's like, well, then how do you explain opposable thumbs? And she's like, maybe the overlords needed them to steer their spaceship. And, and he's just like, what the, what the fuck? And also, Ross just, like, couldn't let Phoebe be happy and thinking that that cat was her dead mother. Yeah. Like, you know what? Okay, yes. She should give that cat back to that little girl. But I feel like you could reason with her and, like, they they do kind of treat Phoebe with little kid gloves a lot. But, I mean, you could have even used that to your but, advantage. But, but I feel like you have to. I feel like... Not treating her with kid gloves is the appropriate response, but treating her with a lot of sensitivity is. Yes. And that's how you know that Ross, Ross's character hasn't really had that kind of hardship. No. Because he, she's like, 
Look, man, I lost my mom when I was 16. She killed herself. Like, I maybe she does weird stuff to deal with that. Yeah. And you need to know that. This is the quote. She goes, Ross, how many parents have you lost? He says, none. And she goes, okay, then you don't know what it feels like when one of them comes back, do you? I believe this is my mother. Even if I'm wrong, who cares? Just be a friend, okay? Be supportive. Yeah. And I feel like that's a really good way to kind of define Phoebe's character as a whole, where no matter what's going on, she's going to be positive. She's going to be supportive. She's just going to be a friend. Right. You know, and that's why I love Phoebe so much, and I wish I was Phoebe. Right. I mean, and she'll go to the ends. Like, I love it at the end, too. No matter right or wrong what, what Ross does, she's the one who's just, like, get in my cab and I'll, I'll drive you all over town yeah. to, like, find Rachel. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. She's just, she is truly the best. Also, she speaks French and apparently speaks Italian. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, she's so smart. And like, I, how... I just love that she also just embraces her weirdness. Like, yes. and, and if anyone, no one can shame her for her weirdness. Yeah. She dates all the time and if anybody's weirded out by her weirdness she's like goodbye yeah like, she doesn't need that I love, kind of negativity in her life I love the part where she like runs to the coffee house with her like dress being undone in the back and she's like Ross zip me up and he's like oh okay and like I just love it because it's such a real moment of somebody who's like getting ready and like doesn't she lives alone she doesn't have anyone to zip her dress up you know and yeah. like she's just doing her thing and also I like that she you know she's like I didn't go to high school like I don't know these books or these references that you guys are talking about yet she's still so smart and so self-assured. She doesn't put herself down because she didn't have the same experiences as everybody else. And she's constantly working to better herself. Like, she takes those classes and she gets upset because Rachel's not taking the classes seriously. And she wants to donate to a charity that's completely selfless. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, PBS! (laughs) Like, I hate PBS! You know? And, um... She just, she's such a, a beacon of light for me in that show. And I just, I love Phoebe and her arcs and her stories. And she's great. Love yeah, her. I agree. And so, I mean, I guess in in summation, we are big Friends fans. I Clearly have a friend, because we can quote all know, the shit. I know, We can talk about every episode. I have a Friends magnet on my fridge. Yeah. Like, I adore this show. I watch it almost every night to fall asleep. Yep. Um... And that's okay. And it's okay to realize that a lot of the behavior on this show was problematic and something that you should really take with a grain of salt whenever you're watching it. Well, and make your own decisions as to what is right for you. If for you, the things that are discussed are too problematic and something that you don't want to deal with. Turn it off. Turn it off. Yeah. And that's that's okay, too. You don't have to be a a friends fan because everybody else is a friends yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. You know? And and I know future generations, we talked about Generation Z, are definitely viewing it under a different... In a new uh, lens. In, in a new way, in a new light. And I think that that's the appropriate way to respond to it. I think the way that we responded to it, where we were just like, yeah, guys are going to objectify you and we should just laugh it off and that's funny. Yeah. And there are people, there's articles that I read where it's like, here's why friends isn't homophobic and it's actually very progressive and, and I blah, don't blah, blah, think blah. That and that's, I don't think that that's, that's the not, appropriate response. Because it's just like, yes, you can sit here and say they were obviously trying. Like, I do think that they were trying in some ways to be progressive for the time. You have to look at it through that lens. Mm -hmm. and, And that's great. But no matter what time it was in, if it made people feel bad about who they were, which I'm sure it did, then... It wasn't all right, no matter when it was created. So that's just something to remember whenever you're watching mm-hmm. that show. Yeah, there was a like behind-the-scenes thing that I watched once where I think it was Julie's character, where she had received like a lot of fan mail from like Asian Americans applauding her for her role and representation, and yeah, that just goes to show you. You know, it doesn't matter what time period you're in, like, representation is so important. And I think that's something that we do need to realize when we're watching the TV shows that we watch and the movies that we watch is to recognize when there is representation and applaud it so that more of that can be made. Yeah, I really feel like we are moving so much closer towards that every day. You know, when we talk about... We have setbacks. I know, we we always have setbacks, but you know what? Crazy Rich Asians is still breaking breaking barriers. love that movie. I finally saw it this weekend, and it's so good. Yeah, and I... So... I feel like having David Schwimmers, who even on a show like Friends, he was, you know, maybe it was only three people, but he managed to get those three people on there because yep. he saw the importance of diversity. You know exactly. what I mean? And that's kind of the beginning of of us really realizing how important it is yeah. to have to have diversity on these shows. Exactly. So, 
So thank you to friends for giving me endless hours of entertainment. Absolutely. Thank you, friends, for giving me the opportunity to think about maybe where you've gone wrong. Yeah. And for helping me learn and adjust my views on these things. Keegan, should we tell the people where they can find us? Absolutely. So if you want to write in, let us know what problematic TV show is your favorite. Yeah. Because there are a lot of them, and I would love to do another episode like this. Yeah, for I sure. Agree. So um, if you would like to do that or send us a sister solidarity story or any kind of story, a coming out story, motherhood story, etc., yeah. you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can follow us and DM us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. You can get us on Twitter at Yamp Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. Excellent. And we're, we're also on Facebook. We have a business page and a group. So yeah. hit us up. Hit us up. Chat hit with e- us. I was going to say, like, hit each other up, too. Like, join yes. that Facebook group and start talking with each other. Rate and review Guys, if you like what we're doing. Please rate and review us. It would yes. be great. So, yeah. awesome. I hope that you guys really enjoyed this episode. And I guess just with that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. Bye. Nowadays, trends and news cycles change faster than we can blink. But there are some things that withstand the test of time. And if you're looking for a connection to something timeless, and maybe also a glimpse of life at a slower pace, I believe everyone can relate to the very human experiences explored in Jane Austen's novels. And that's where I come in. My name is Alison Larkin. I'm a writer, comedian, and narrator and host of The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin. I spent a lot of my childhood in the part of England where Jane Austen lived and wrote, and now that I live in the States, nothing gives me a sense of homecoming quite like narrating her books. On this show, you'll listen to award-winning narration. I'll give myself a pat on the back for that as well as conversations with actors, writers and other fascinating people who all share a passionate love for Jane Austen. So please, join me as we embark on a wonderful journey through Jane Austen's work. Be sure to listen and subscribe to The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin wherever you get your podcasts.